Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Because my God is not a dead God. My God is not a quiet God. Come on, somebody. My God is not a God that's afraid. My God is alive. He's not just a lamb. He is a lamb, but he's also a lion. Amen? The lion of the tribe of Judah is coming back. How do we know that? We can look to the resurrection. It's proof that what he said was true. That's our blessed hope. Just to give you a little update, it's it's Sunday morning, Easter. I got up at 3.30 this morning, and uh, on Good Friday, I had the opportunity to preach the gospel on Newsmax that went all the way across the nation. I'm in a full-fledged, this is the gospel, repent and believe. Come on, I believe revival is coming to America. I said revival, I don't believe it's coming, I believe it's already here in America. Revival is already here in America. It may look dark, but I'm not going to talk about the darkness. I'm talking about the light. Can I get an amen? This morning, I got up at 3.30. My assistant, Justice, my little boy gets up with me, and he wants to come, and he sets whenever I'm doing news. And this morning, I got to preach the gospel and talk about the state of the church on Fox News, and that went across the nation. Come on. We've been preaching to the world this morning on Easter Sunday before we ever got to church. Amen? Tell them about the grace of God. Now I want to entitle this message, A Place of Grace. Is anybody thankful that our God's not just the God of some grace, but he is the God of all grace? He's the God of all grace. You may be in here on Easter Sunday and you, you told somebody, you told them, I can't go into church, man. God will kill me, maybe kill you too for sitting by me. And uh, I'm telling you, God's not that kind of God. He's not a God that's pointing his finger at you, wanting to get even with you. He's a God that's saying, come unto me. I'll clean you up. I'll turn you around. Come on, I'll give you a fresh start. I'll wash you up. give you a life worth living. It's a place of grace. I walked into the church in 1998. I was a meth amp addict and a cokehead and didn't know my right hand from the left. And the grace of God came into my life and it changed me. And it's here to change us. We're in a place of grace this morning because of the resurrection. Now, I know a place is just a place, but... Come on, a place isn't just a place whenever Jesus is in the midst of it. Whenever the church comes together, it's why it's so important that we come together physically, corporately. Because where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Jesus is in the house this morning in this place of grace. You know, I like to read through the scriptures. See the places where Jesus has left his imprint. Because they're grace places. St. Augustine said this. He said there were five Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the land of Israel. He said if you look at the land of Israel, you'll see where it all happened. And it'll shape you and mold you. I want to take you to three places of grace from the passion today. The passion of the Christ. It's what this weekend's all about. That our God went to the cross. Our God died, was placed in a tomb. But the death couldn't hold him on the third day. He was resurrected by the power of God. We see these graces and places of grace. The first one I want to take you to is I want to take you to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you have your Bible on you, open it up to Matthew chapter 26. 
Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 39, reads like this. It says this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Right here's where the weight of the world starts coming upon him, where he's going to redeem us from our sins. He became sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane. Let me tell you about the garden. The garden sets at the bottom of the Mount of Olives. This is where you could come out of the, the busyness of the city. Come out of the hustle and the bustle. Jerusalem would have been teeming with life. This is the Passover weekend. People came from everywhere. The city was packed. The restaurants were full. The inns, there were no room anywhere in the city. And Jesus goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was his prayer spot. It was a place of solitude, a place of prayer, a place where he could get along with God. And he's there with his disciples, and he tells them, go over there and pray. I'm going to pray over here. How many of you have ever uh, started reading like Leviticus late at night and fell asleep with your face on the Bible? Anybody ever woken up with your face on the Bible? I have, right? How many of y'all have said, I'm going to pray like 30 minutes tomorrow morning, and three minutes in, you were snoring? Come on. Don't lie to me out there, right? I've done it. And uh, the disciples, they fall asleep. Jesus prays. The weight of the world starts to come on Jesus. The Bible says he becomes exceedingly sorrowful. Sometimes the things you're called to do for God, they're not things you want to do, but they're things that you must do with your life to fulfill the will of God. And Jesus prays a prayer that's not a passive prayer. A lot of Christians pray this as a case sarah, sarah prayer. Not my will, but thy will. Just, you know what I mean? But it was really an aggressive prayer. Because he knew the will of the Father and his flesh didn't want to do it. Has anybody ever been there before? There's been times in my life I didn't want to hear from God anymore. Because he was requiring too much of me at the time. Now I've tried to turn God's voice off before, but God won't leave me alone, right? So I have to turn it back on. Because he's a grace-filled God and he doesn't want us off the path. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. Even in our ignorance and our hard-headedness, God keeps talking. Amen? Jesus prays, not my will, but thy will be done. It's interesting where he is. He's, he's there. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means the place of the press. You can go there today. I've been there multiple times. Well, you can't go there now unless you have a vaccine passport, but that's another, that's another story. You used to be able to go there. And uh, the Garden of Gethsemane is an ancient olive grove. There are trees there now. I've been there they're at least a 1,000 years old. Some people say those trees, some of them could be 2,000 years old. Could have been there whenever Jesus was there. If you walk down the sidewalk in the Garden of Gethsemane, the sidewalks get slick. Why? There's so many olives falling off the tree. Whenever people walk on the sidewalk, they step on the olives. Whenever you step on the olives, the oil comes out. A lot of people fall right there because of the oil. Here's what the place was. The garden is a symbol of a pressing to bring forth the oil. Here's what Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane. He begins to be pressed. So the oil of God, the oil of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and the anointing could come upon your life. He was pressed in the 
the garden and on the cross so that we can have the oil. Come on, we ought to give God a hand clap at every campus for the Holy Spirit. Give God a hand clap for the power of God. Come on, give God a hand clap. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is with us now because of the cross. Can I get an amen out there? See, they would, they would bring the olives and they would bring it to a massive stone. That stone would roll over those olives and it would bring out the oil. They used oil for almost everything. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. They ate the olives and they used it for food. Come on, the presence of God is the most powerful, potent food you'll ever eat. How many of y'all want to have the, the power of God surging in your body? Second thing they did with the oil is it was like a, a soap to them. Right? That there was a soap that the Jewish people had, but most people didn't have their hands upon that. The launderer had a soap that would make garments white. The average person had olive oil. They would take a bath with. They would put oil on their body, and then they would scrape it off to remove the dirt. Now, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit, when he comes on your life, he makes you clean again. Whenever we mess up, how many have the Spirit of God speak to you about what you need to repent of? Spirit of God's making us clean. Right? God's a God of all grace, but he expects our repentance. Amen? Turn from our dead works to God. That's when the oil comes on and it cleans us. Third thing they did with the oil is the oil would be a light. They would put oil in their lamps, light it, and the oil would burn. Come on, the Holy Spirit lights up our past and shows us where to go. He was crushed so we wouldn't be lost in life. Our sons and our daughters aren't going to be lost in life. Our sons and our daughters won't be without an identity in life. Come on, your sons and your daughters, your grandchildren, they're going to know who they are in God. Why? Because the oil of the Spirit's going to show them what to do. Amen? A lot of people run through life saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Don't ever say you don't know what to do again. We ought to stand up boldly and say, I know what to do. Why? Not because I'm something, but because the Spirit of God lives in me. I've got the wisdom of God, the light of God. Come on. Holy Spirit, you know what to do. Turn to your neighbor, just tell him you know what to do now. Tell him that. Huh? So listen, Gethsemane, it's a place of the press. Jesus prays about a cup. He says, take this cup from my hand. If you eat the Passover meal, there are four cups of wine that are served with the Passover meal. None of them are the cup that Jesus is talking about here. could look it up sometime. If you go to a Passover meal and you're not having a good time, when you get there, you'll have a good time by the time you leave, right? Four cups later. There's a fifth cup that the prophets talked about. He talks about the cup of wrath. Jesus isn't talking about the four cups of Passover. He's talking about the fifth prophesied cup. The cup of wrath. Our shepherd went to the cross and took the wrath for our sin upon himself. God himself stepped down from heaven, stepped through the womb of a woman, stepped into a body to take my wrath upon him. He came for every time I've lied, every time I've cheated, every time I've been angry, every time I've cursed, every time I've struck another person. He took it upon himself. He drank my cups. Anybody thankful that he drank the cup of wrath that we deserve to drink? Now when the judgment comes, I don't have to be afraid. Let me tell you, the world should be afraid because a judgment is coming. And for those that have not looked to Christ to take the cup of wrath from them and for them, that wrath will be poured out upon them. But the grace of God, we can see it, that Jesus drank 
the cup. Come on, let's give him a hand clap for that place of grace. Jesus took the cup of wrath, and the oil's been poured out for us. Can I get an amen? Second place of grace I want to talk to you about is the place called Golgotha. Golgotha is the place of the skull. The scripture says in the gospel of Mark, it says this, Mark 15 and verse 22. says, they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. When they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Roman soldiers were there at Golgotha, gambling for his clothes. If you go to Jerusalem and you go down to the level, it's, it's underground, where Jesus would have walked. You can still find etched in the stones that they walked upon the old gaming boards that the Roman soldiers used where they gambled. Jesus goes to Golgotha. Now, it means a place of the skull. There are two, really there's four, but there's two major places that people believe might be Golgotha. All of the East believes that the church of the sepulcher is the place where Jesus was crucified. It's crazy if you go there, it's ornate, it's beautiful. There's been a massive temple built there, a massive church built there. There's gold and there's beautiful things everywhere. And inside the, the church of the holy sepulcher, where they believe Golgotha is, you walk up steps and you can ascend Golgotha. You can't see the stone anymore, it's all built upon. But up there, there's a crack that comes from where they call Calvary. And it goes down through, through the ground in the church of the Holy Sepulchre. And it goes down to a chapel that they call Adam's Chapel. And what they tell what the East believes is that the sons of Noah, after Noah died, they came back to what is now Jerusalem. They believe that that used to be the Garden of Eden. They said that the sons of Noah brought back the bones and the skull of Adam. And they buried it in the ground where he started. There's something about being buried where you come from that appeals to humanity. Jesse doesn't want to be buried in my hometown, but she's going to be buried under an ugly water tower in Providence, Kentucky, if I can have anything to do about it. If she dies first, that's where she's going. That's all I got to say. She says she won't be buried there, but you will. We'll see. Amen. Uh, she says she's going to put me somewhere I don't want to go. We tell each other this all the time. So, so Adam... He's buried supposedly right there where the garden was. Chapman's to also be, they say, where Calvary was. How many know whenever Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake that split the ground? They believe that when he died, the blood that came out of his hands, his feet, his side, and his head, it went down that crack all the way to where Adam's skull was under the ground, and that the blood poured over the skull, and it was a prophetic symbol that the blood of Jesus had covered the sin of every human from us all the way back to Adam. Come on, the sins of our granddad, the sins of our great-granddad, the sins of Adam and Noah and David and everybody you read about in the Bible, covered by the blood. Every faith man. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know the theology behind it is true. Can I get an amen? How many know Jesus died for us all for repent and believe? And here's what we have as Christians. Those that died in Christ in our family, they're not just in our past, Amen. They're also in our future. We're going to see them again. It's one of the hopes we have in Easter. So what, what the death, burial, and resurrection did for our lives. There's another place, people believe, it's where Jesus was crucified. It's called the garden tomb. If you've seen the tomb and the rolled away stone, that's what you're looking at. I prefer this place. 
And I'll tell you how you can find out exactly where he was buried. You can die and go to heaven, and that's how you'll know. Amen? I'll do without knowledge right now. Can I get an amen out there? So the, the garden tomb, it's a beautiful place. There's a place beside it called Golgotha. And if you look out from what was the wall in Jerusalem, if you were to crucify someone, you wouldn't crucify them way out of the city. You would bring them close to a major road. It's how the Romans would kill people. If you were going to kill someone with capital punishment, you wanted to make sure that everyone around saw them die. Why? You would make an example out of them for everyone to see. And if you stand in the old city and you look out towards where this place is, there's a rock formation that looks like a skull, even to this day. Right there, they believe that the Son of God was crucified. What happened? He was sentenced to crucifixion. They took him, you know the story, to a whipping post first, just like Isaiah prophesied. They began to beat him. The Romans beat him. A lot of people say he received uh, 40 stripes minus one according to Jewish law, but he was not whipped according to Jewish law. He was whipped by Romans. Romans were merciless. The Old Testament prophesied this where David said, strong, strong bulls have surrounded me. Bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. The Bible said Isaiah saw it prophetically and said, by his stripes, we are healed. They took a cat of nine tails with pieces of glass and metal in it and laid him open. Most people died at the whipping post. He lived through the whipping post. But at that whipping post, he paid for our healing. At that whipping post, he defeated cancer. He defeated HIV. He defeated COVID-19. Can I get an amen? He defeated the flu. He defeated any kind of sickness you can imagine. Any blood disease. Any neurological disease. Come on, we serve a healing God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then they made him carry his cross. Isaiah said at the cross he was more marred than any other man. She couldn't even tell he was human. He'd been beaten so bad. Just looked like meat at this point, blood in a mangled mess on the tree. When they crucified most people, they would tie them to the cross. You died of asphyxiation. But they, they nailed him to the tree. Why? To speed up the process. It was the Passover weekend and it was unclean to leave a body hanging certain times during the Passover. So they drove nails through his hands. They drove nails through his feet. Put the crown of thorns on his head. And they lifted the Son of God high. They dropped the, dropped the cross into a hole. Whenever you would land in the hole, it would disjoint most people's joints up there. And the Son of God hung suspended between heaven and earth for six hours one Friday to redeem earth back to heaven. While he was there, he paid for our sins. The weight of the world came upon him. The sin that I'd committed, you've committed, the whole world had committed, came upon him. At the cross, he was rejected by God the Father. Think about this. He lived with God forever, forever, from eternity past to eternity present. The only time Jesus the Son was separated from the Father was at the cross. He cries out these words at the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'll tell you why he forsook his son on the cross. He was forsaken so that we could be accepted. Amen. So our acceptance was bought. 
Got good news for you, church. You're not alone anymore. You're not rejected anymore. You're not an orphan anymore. You're not by yourself anymore. God has now accepted you, and you'll never be alone another day in your life. Can I get an amen out there? He's at the place called Golgotha. The last words he speaks on the cross, he says, it is finished. There's another way to say it in the Greek. Really could be said like this in English. He said three words up there. He said, paid in full. Would you say that out loud this Easter Sunday? Somebody say, paid in full. Let's say it one more time. Paid in full. Come on, let's say it one more time so you get it. Paid in full. Was an accounting term. Right? If, if you had extended to me credit, let's say you have a shop and you're giving me credit. Now take that credit, we'd have a contract. I have your goods and services and I owe you a payment. Whenever I came back for that payment, what I would have to do is I would walk in front of many witnesses and I would speak up and I would say out loud to you, I would, I would make my payment to you and I would say paid in full. Then you would look back at me in front of all those witnesses so there would be a public record and you would say paid in full back to me. And that meant that the debt was canceled. Whenever Jesus said paid in full at the cross, he did it between the witnesses before the witnesses of heaven and earth. Now I've got good news for you. Every sin you've ever committed, everything you've ever done to broke the law of God, it was paid for on Calvary's cross. Now your debt is paid. Your ransom has been bought. Come on. Your trespasses are gone. You've been washed white as snow. You are now paid for. You're a child of God. You've been bought back from sin, bought back from death, bought back from hell, bought back from the grave. Now you can live as a free person because he paid our debt. Amen? I'm so thankful he paid my debt that somebody like him would want to die for somebody like me. You ever think about that? Somebody like him would die for somebody like me. It's amazing, isn't it? It's what happened right at Golgotha. The last place of grace I want to talk about is a place called the grave or the garden tomb. Now, Jesus didn't buy his own tomb because he wasn't going to need it long. How many know y'all not spend your money on a fancy grave? We serve the God of the resurrection. Can I get an amen out there? I don't need a nice grave. Take my body back to Kentucky and throw me on the back of the farm. I don't care, right? Because the God of the resurrection is going to raise me up. And if you get the power of God over the grave, you don't have to fear death anymore. I'll tell you, I'm not afraid of dying. Now, I don't want it to be painful and I don't want it to be today. But understanding the power of the resurrection will set you free from the fear of death. I've had thousands of people threaten to kill me this year and I'm not afraid because you cut me down. My God will raise me up. I'm not afraid of death. I serve the God of the resurrection. He's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the church ought to quit being afraid. Can I get an amen? Start living like a lion. We got a church that's so scared of everything. Lost our identity this year in America, haven't we? Scared of the media. Scared of the government. Scared of what people would think or say about us. Shows that we don't have a revelation of the resurrection anymore. 
We're coming to an hour we're going to need this. I'm telling you, the landscape's changing and we can't be a cruise ship anymore, cruise ship church anymore. We better be a battleship church now. We better understand we're not going to do church light at his church. We're going to call it like it is. Can I get an amen out there? We saw what trying to make everybody happy in church did for America. Almost destroyed our nation. But I'm telling you, God's going to raise us up. We're going to boldly prophesy. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to call sin, sin, and righteousness, righteousness. We're going to declare the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. They take Jesus, a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. You read about him in Matthew chapter 27. Bible calls him a rich man. He came and he goes to Pilate. Now this man is, is a heavy hitter in the city. Wealthy man. He goes to Pilate who's the ruler. He's got all this, all this power. And he goes to him and the Bible says he begs for the body of Jesus. This could have caused, called this rich man, caused this rich man to lose everything that he has. He was still so desperate for a relationship with Jesus. He goes in and puts it all on the line. He begs for the body. The old King James says for Jesus. He takes the body back and he prepares it. He wraps it. He anoints it with oil. He spends all his money on it. And he gives Jesus his tomb. Jesus is placed in that tomb and they roll the stone up. He's laid out there where his body can decompose. But David had prophesied long before. David said that God would not allow the Holy One to see decay. Jesus laid in that tomb the first day, the second day. All of the disciples thought it was hopeless. They thought it was over. They thought that darkness would overtake them. But then you know the rest of the story. On the third day, the power of God comes into that tomb. An angel comes back and rolls back the stone. The Holy Spirit quickens the dead body of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he gets up out of that tomb and he walks out victorious, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Gets the keys to, to hell and he walks out the victorious land. Son of God. Can I get an amen out there? Hey, he's overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he walks out alive. Shows himself alive to many of his followers. Then he ascends into heaven, sets down at the right seat of the Father. And he's waiting for all of the things to get right on the earth. And then he's coming back. Let me tell you what happened to the guy that gave him a grave. According to legend, Joseph of Arimathea, after the resurrection, is so touched by the power of God coming to his household, raising Jesus. Joseph becomes a follower of Jesus and becomes a Christian bishop, becomes a preacher of the gospel and a pastor. And he travels to what is modern-day England. And he has a great revival there and establishes a church. All that's historical. Here's the part that may be legend, maybe not. Nobody knows. They say that Joseph became such a man of stature and such a man of influence because of the signs and the wonders, because of the love of God that flowed through him, that the kings of what is now modern-day England, whenever Joseph died, they came and got his body and placed him in the tomb where their kings were buried. Think about that. He gave his tomb to the king of kings, and in his death, he was honored by kings. Come on, somebody. I love that principle. Whatever you give to Jesus, honor Jesus with. Jesus will show up and honor you with. Can I get an amen out there? 
How many found that it's impossible to outgive, outserve, or to outbless a loving God? Come on, somebody say amen to that. Listen, I'm going to tell you, our God is so good. You just can't outdo him. You can't outbless him. You can't outgive him. Our God is an over-the-top loving God. Now, I've got good news for you. This Easter Sunday, your God is no longer dead. Your God is no longer still on the cross. Your God is not still in the tomb. Your God is not wrapped up in grave clothes. Your God is not sealed up. Come on. Our God is alive. Can I get an amen? Our God is alive. Can I get an amen? Our God is alive. Can I get an amen? Would you stand up on your feet with me? I've got good news for you. At every campus, i got good news for you. The good news is this, that if our God is alive, you can be alive too eternally. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Right there, right there, I'm telling you, the power of God wants to come into your life and it wants to make you alive. Holy Spirit coming into your heart. At every campus, if you're out there, I'm telling you, uh, God's not mad at you. He's not wanting to get even with you. He wants to forgive you. He's alive so that you could be alive. He died for your sins. He loves you. He's for you and not against you. He wants to clean you up and change you this morning. Forgive you of your sins. Give you a brand new start. Make your home in heaven, not in hell. If you're out there and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Pastor, I've never prayed to receive Christ. Or, Pastor, I did years ago. Right there in Henderson, you need to be born again. This is your time. Pastor, I need to rededicate my life. In Owensboro right now, listen, God's calling you. I'm telling you, in Dumas, Texas, God's going to do a miracle in your life. Right here in this room. Don't let this moment pass you by. Tomorrow is promised to no man. Jesus died for your sins. It's time to make it right with him. Maybe you did it years ago and you need to rededicate your life. This moment's for you. Whenever I count to three, if you're watching online or you're in one of these buildings, right now as campus pastors go ahead and start coming up here to help me. Right now I'm telling you, God's here. He's here to save you. He's here to forgive you. He's here to deliver you. His name is salvation. Salvation from yourself. Salvation from your sins. Salvation from an eternity in hell. Whenever I count to three, I want you to lift your hands up. If you want to pray to get right with God today. I'm not going to embarrass you. not going to single you out. I'm just going to pray a prayer with you. Come on. One, this is your moment. Two, don't put it off. Tomorrow's promise to no man. Three, lift up that hand all over these places right now. I see that hand and 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 that hand. Hands all over the place, all over every campus. Right now, if you're watching online, you can you can just lift your hand up right where you are. Telling you God's going to deliver you. God's going to save you. God's going to move in your life, forgive you. Holy Spirit's getting ready to come into you. Those of you that have lifted your hands, I, I, listen, I'll give you one more moment. If you haven't done it yet, I want you to lift up your heart with your hand right now. Don't put it off. Don't let it go by. We see you right there. God bless you. God bless you. Man, he's the God of salvation. God of forgiveness. Those of you that have lifted your hand, I want you to pray a prayer. I'll give you the words. You give it the meaning. Church, I want you to pray with them right now. We're going to pray and God's going to crash into your life change you. I want you to say it out loud in your mouth, loud enough you can hear yourself talk. Let's say this to the Father. Everybody say this. Say, Father, I'm a sinner. I've lived for myself. I've done my own thing. But today, I repent of my sin 
Now turn from my way to your way. I believe on the death, on the burial, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. I boldly declare that Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.